0: From MZ Studios in Dallas, Texas, you're listening to the Tennis Revolution Podcast. Welcome back to the Tennis Revolution Podcast. Once again, we're joined, of course, by Corey. How's it going? Fantastic. I'm and of excited course... Excited to be here as always. And once again, we're not joined by Savannah. I don't even remember who that is. It's been a while. She's busy. She's busy. She, she texts me regularly to tell me when she's not going to be here, So which is often. We talked about now that we're weekly, and she was all for it.
1: We have a replacement
0: for her today. Well, actually, we're classing the joint up, so we're going to have to be on our best behavior. We're doing something for real for once, uh, not our normal nonsense. So I want to introduce, um, I, I don't know exactly what her title is, so I'll let her explain, but uh, we have on the po- podcast, Adrian Bransky uh, with Acing Autism. So you look at that, giving back. We're giving back on this podcast. For once. So uh, welcome to the show. Thank you. Um, from what I understand, you've never listened. That's all right. You're still here. That's, That's a, not true. But you will now. <laughs> So I think that was our original plan to get listeners by having every single listener on and just grow our audience that way. Yes, I like that strategy.
1: Guilt all of us into it.
0: Yeah. So, <laughs> so tell So you're with Acing Autism. What's your sort of title, and and tell us a little bit about uh, what it is.
1: So I am the co-program director. My cohort is Matthew Bransky, who's my son. He's actually the one who uh, had decided to start up a program here in Dallas. We are a nationwide uh, nonprofit organization. Our whole focus is to provide tennis lessons on a weekly basis to children ages 5 to 18 that are on the autistic spectrum. So uh, as the mother of a child that is autistic, I can tell you that the kids, after a while, start to get a little bored of having to be inside of um, a therapist's office or a therapist's playroom and so the idea of being able to get some kids out on a tennis court on a weekly basis to be able to work on some of the same physical therapy skills, gross motor skills, things of that nature um, but do it so that they're having an opportunity to interact with other kids and be outside in the fresh air um, that's what the program's all about
0: So on the one hand you have a kid that's on the spectrum and on the other hand you're a tennis player and so when did you find that there was a program that combined both
1: so my son Matthew the one who uh, co-directs the program with me he's uh, 17 last year he had been we we have um, tennis channel on in our house pretty much 24-7 our whole family plays tennis
0: 24-7 tennis channel yes and has yet to listen to this podcast (laughs) sorry carry on So with your wonderful work, carry on.
1: So it's on all the time. And he happened to see the commercial for, um, AC and autism tennis Channel has been kind to the program and provides us airtime for PSAs. And he's said, Oh my gosh, that's phenomenal program. I wonder if I can volunteer with them. And I said to him, well, go look online and see if they've got a program here in Dallas and great. And so he went to look and lo and behold, there was no program in Dallas.
0: Are we the largest metropolitan area with no program, or is it uh, are there other cities or, or are you aware of that?
1: Well, at the time, we may have been one of the largest areas that didn't have it. Um, to date, the program has been launching somewhere in the neighborhood of 13 to fifteen different programs per year. Oh wow. Um, we've been expanding pretty rapidly to the point that when Matthew and I approached Richard Sperling, who is the founder, He actually asked us to kind of hold off for about six months with getting the program going because um, they had been expanding so rapidly, they needed to kind of regroup and get some more infrastructure in place. And so the board of directors asked him to please, you know, put a hold on things.
0: Well, I would imagine he had some idea that we'd be pretty big and uh, we're in a big city. So uh, Dallas, I think, is the ninth or eighth largest city in the country, something like that, and growing. I guess he probably had some insight that uh, your program might be pretty big. Is that the case?
1: Actually, that is. We dominate,
0: was... are we dominating more than the Cowboys and the Stars and the <laughs> yes, Mavericks we are. and So yeah. what are give give me the good stuff. You got some numbers on you?
1: So, we we actually are um probably one of the largest programs that they have. He was blown away with um the response that we've had. We have 22 students uh for this current session. We purposely have kind of kept it small just so we can Get our first season in and get a good win. Um, we want to make sure no matter, you know, nationally, they want to make sure no matter where somebody goes to take the program, that the quality of the program is the same, right. that it doesn't um, decrease just because of, you know, the number of students. So we have 10 students in our first morning session. We have another 12 students in our second morning session. So we have a total of 22 students. We have a wait list about 16 to 18 kids at this point. And that's from just all the social media that we use to get the word out. Wow. So every week we're getting, you know, another two to three students that have joined up. And that's not from us marketing the program. Right. Um. We are looking to uh, finish up this season. We've got three more classes to go. And then we'll be looking towards the summer uh, to expand and, and possibly instead of holding two sessions, hold three. Right. So. Uh, we've been growing fast and furious, but Whirl- it's been a whirlwind.
0: great. Whirlwind, just a whirlwind. Well, congrats on that success, and uh, you know, of course, it's giving back and doing good things. But you still want to dominate every other pro- program in the country, every other chapter. Um, you know, we want to represent in D Town, so uh, you know, and it's a great tennis town. So I think that may may help, certainly, um, just because it, it fits right in. So, um, so the tennis side of things, you you are a tennis player. Yes. And tell me a little bit about you. Because listen, that's really what anybody, <laughs> anybody really, all they want to talk about is their tennis. So uh, tell yeah. tell us a little bit about what you're doing. You're playing leagues and. Yeah. Okay.
1: I play probably about four days a week. Okay. If I could do more, I would do it. There but we go. I think my children would disown me. All right. Um, and uh, I actually just got done playing the last three days in a row for a city championship. So. And how'd that go? We did really well, but we missed. We missed by, like, one game. Oh, wow. So.
0: And then we got rained out today. So
1: Yes. Yeah. So.
0: So, so you've been playing tennis for?
1: Uh, about three years.
0: That's it? Yeah. Wow.
1: Yeah.
0: Wow. Because you are super passionate about tennis.
1: Well, I was. Some
0: would say psycho.
1: I, <laughs>
0: in a good way. In the most yeah. positive. That's what we want, though. I mean, we that's would, what we, we need. would say that, but others would say that. Yeah. A little, little obsessed. We would yeah. say normal. Right. No, no, no. I mean. You're sitting with two guys and a would-be girl, and you're that's in your spot normally. Uh, that do a tennis podcast? What idiot in their right mind would do a tennis podcast? So no, no, no. We appreciate. I say that with all due respect. We appreciate uh, a little bit of uh, insanity with our tennis. So yeah. No, so I'm, I'm addicted. No, no. All three of your kids play.
1: Um, actually, only one of them plays. One of them sort of dabbles in it. Right. Um, but we're hoping as she gets a little bit older, she'll start to pick it up more my husband actually is the one that kind of got us all into it i was an olympic level athlete when i was younger but it was in figure skating right i wasn't allowed to touch anything but the figure <laughs> skating so it was
0: keep those ankles safe
1: yes no ball sports no skiing no no uh p.e so, so like
0: blades of glory yeah. I'm yeah. sure she's so proud of that movie. That's I my reference. Well listen, we've got awful tennis movies out there.
1: That that would have been made for It would have made for a lot more fun if yeah. it were like that. Yeah. So
0: figure skating has better movies than tennis still. That's true. <laughs> Can you name cutting edge? You remember that one yeah. from yeah, the eighties? Yeah, That's what I was thinking of actually. Is that the only one you got? Ice well, castles. Well, besides Blades of Glory. Ice Castles? What is that? Who that, is that? That's a classic one. Oh Ice
1: Castles. God. It's about the girl that comes out of nowhere. She's like uber talented. And she has like this huge meteoric rise to the Olympic level, and And then
0: gets hit in the knee with a stick.
1: Um, (laughs) Oh no, no, no! I'm sorry, that was real.
0: (laughs) (laughs) That's a movie now, too. That's a documentary.
1: Yes, yes.
0: Tune in next week for the figure skating podcast. (laughs) (laughs) No, no. It might be pretty interesting, to be honest with you. Um, So, so your, so your tennis. um, So you started tennis prior to all of this. Yes. You didn't even know about this program. No, did not. So did. So you you mentioned that you were in doctor's offices and doing some similar therapies. What other therapies were out there that you were doing before you even heard about acing autism?
1: Well, so to back up a little, I've got a 14-year-old son that was diagnosed when he was probably about 14 months old with autism. And back then, people didn't know much about autism. There was no Autism Speaks. There was no National Association for Autism Awareness So we were just kind of figuring things out as we went along. Um, And in fact, for us in particular, to have our child diagnosed so early, a lot of therapists kind of looked at us and said, well, what do you want us to do? Right. (laughs) And I said, well, do what you normally do. So that means occupational therapy, physical therapy, speech therapy, sensory integration therapy, carbone therapy. I mean, it's any kind of therapy you could think of, but it's all to address the different issues that the kids face. So... You know, there there are any number of issues that somebody on the spectrum um, can deal with. Obviously, the commonality is that there is um, a neurological difference in how their body processes things. And um, it affects them from a social and a communication standpoint. So we, you know, early on address gross motor, small motor, social, you know, the ability to speak. Our son didn't speak until he was about three and a half years old. Um, And then there were other things you have to address like um, sensory integration. So, you know, you do whacked out things like brush therapy where you literally take a brush and you brush the child's skin for a certain period of time every day. Because, for instance, um, my son would be in the rain and he'd say, "Ow, mommy, that hurts. Because for him, the rain touching him was was painful. Wow. So, there, you know, there's a whole whole uh, variety of different therapies depending on what the child is dealing with that you can go through. Um, But you know a lot of people who are in various sports have found that you know in some cases the different activities the different sports that they do can make a huge difference in in the life of a child.
0: Right and that's really what I was getting at because ultimately this podcast is uh, dedicated to growing tennis. And I am competitive, so I w- basically <laughs> I want to find out how tennis is better than every other therapy ever existing for autism ever. That's the idea here for this podcast. That's why I brought you here. No, but seriously, I mean, you know, we talk about what tennis can do for, you know, people in general and, you know, both physically as well as emotionally and all those kinds of things um, that even that aren't on the spectrum. So now you take a specialized situation, you add tennis into the mix. And, and and if it's if, if it's helping, I mean, obviously, personally, that's good for you, but also mm-hmm. giving back and all the parents that are going through what you went through in terms of how to deal with some of the issues, because nobody wants their kids to suffer. And and so now, if tennis can be an avenue through which you can you can help, then that that's a feather in our cap, which might be a little prideful. I know that's not a good thing, but uh, at the same time, tennis needs all the love it can get in this country. Um, so. So, how does tennis compare to some other therapies? And have they seen a lot of success, or success in certain areas? Is it revolutionary? Do we are we way better than soccer? That's really, what I'm getting <laughs> at ultimately. That's always well. You know,
1: the nice part about tennis is that um, number one, it's a sport for life, so you can play it. You know, when you're really really little, and when you're really really old. Um, so that that in and of itself is is huge. Um, the other thing is that. Even though it can be done as an individual sport, you can be part of a bigger group or a bigger team. So for kids that are on the spectrum, that's huge because they can focus on their skills as an individual, okay? But then they can be part of this larger group. So that's a lot of what we incorporate when um, we run the class. So it'll start out where you know we'll do a group warm-up And it's doing some of the regular calisthenics that most of the tennis players would do, you know, um, lifting your knees up and running around the court to get yourself warmed up. This helps these kids work on a lot of the um, gross motor skills that they need to be working on. But then on top of it, they're part of a group. And so there they get the socialization. So, you, you know, you don't necessarily get that with all the other sports. And then, you know, there's a lot to be worked on with tennis. So you can break things down. Um, at the beginning level to literally just work on balancing a ball on a tennis racket well that helps them with hand-eye coordination you're not going to get that you know with swimming right you're not gonna you know get it with um, even therapeutic horseback riding which is a big one that a lot of kids do
0: well one thing i always talk about people ask you know what's the toughest sport and one of the one of the check marks sort of for tennis is that we use both Gross and fine motor skills, and you know, if you're a linebacker, you're just running into brick walls all day. (laughs) You know, it's pretty much all gross motor skills. It's not, you know, in in basketball maybe free throws that kind of thing. There's some fine motor skill, but for us, it's it's a lot of both, and it's upper and lower body. So it's really a pretty comprehensive sport uh, in that regard. And and I yeah, and I like the idea what we deal with, what I deal with as a college coach, is is shoehorning an individual sport into a team format. And, and so, but you do, you can get both. You, I mean, you do that in your leagues, and you know, Corey does that uh, coaching and playing in his league. So, um, so now, where do you um, host your events?
1: So, we have a partnership with the School of Brain and Behavior Sciences at the University of Texas at Dallas, and the smart people. Yes, yes, working
0: in that field, so researching and uh, among other things, but but um, I'm assuming they they have research that has been going on even before acing autism showed up in that area.
1: They have the Callier Center, which is very well known in the community for their speech therapy as well as for their groups that are focused on um, the autistic spectrum. So they have some social groups, and um, they have people that are majoring in psychology, behavior sciences, uh, neurology, you name it, and um, they have a very large focus on autism. There's a lot of grants that have been... awarded recently nice
0: symmetry so well we'll talk about uh how those students and your other volunteers uh are helping and what y'all are doing in the program when we come back it's time to join the revolution. Go
1: to our website tennisrevolutionpodcast.com to get the latest episodes. Email us your questions and comments or give us show ideas.
0: All right, we're back. Uh, If you just uh, joined us, then why don't you just rewind and start from the beginning? But in case you just don't have time uh, to refresh, we're here with Corey. Of course, uh, Savannah's on vacation or something again. Uh, And we're here with Adrian Bransky, who um, is the co-founder of uh, Acing Autism, the Dallas chapter. And uh, we were talking a little bit about the program. And so coming back off the break, I wanted to get into some more specifics and, and kind of what you do on court because this is theoretically a tennis podcast and maybe tennis people listen (laughs) so they might understand some of the things you do out there but uh you can put them in terms of how those therapies help the kids and then maybe how they relate to off-court therapies then you know and again i said i'm competitive so i want to know how they're better (laughs) if they don't work better i don't want to hear about them that's a different podcast no no i'm kidding so so you, you guys uh Go for about an hour with each group?
1: Yeah, it's it's an hour-long class. And What oh, are um, the ages? So usually the way we do it is we'll have the younger kids do one session, so like five to ten years of age, and then we have a second group that's 11 to 18. Um, and, uh, you know, you stick to the true curriculum and the true activities a little bit more with the older kids than you do sometimes with the younger kids um, because – it kind of makes sense from, from a um, parental standpoint in that when the kids are younger, they're just starting with therapy. And in a lot of cases, you know, you're working on things like communication and their ability to transition and their ability to kind of focus on what's going on with the group.
0: Sure. So,
1: Things tend to flow a little bit easier with the older kids than they do with the younger, but...
0: Well, that's no different than than when you first started playing tennis. If you come out to my court and I'm working with a group of ladies at all the same level and I'm like, all right, here, we're going to do this and nobody can do it, we've got to switch gears and... Yeah, but once you get up to that level where you're you you've been hitting the ball for a while, you're a little more competent and you've got some things, then it d- definitely becomes easier. So, right, flexibility is key. So, so you have a you have a national body and they set the curriculum. Yep, yeah, um, they set
1: the curriculum. So each week we do the same set of steps. Um, a lot of that has to do with maintaining consistency. Um, kids who are on the spectrum like to um, kind of have some predictability and know exactly what we're going to do. So we have a visual schedule. And so the first thing obviously is this group warm um, that we talked about before the break, which focuses in a lot of cases and just getting the muscles going and getting the body warmed up. And, um, in a lot of cases, it's usually, um, dynamic stretching and gross motor sort of stuff, things that, that any tennis player would do running around the court and
0: except me, I don't do a lot of running (laughs) around the court, but I understand what you mean completely.
1: Things of that nature. And then um, the next thing that we do is um, hand-eye coordination exercises. So now these um, your standard tennis player might not do, but for the kids that are on the spectrum, this is really helpful. So it's something as simple as rolling the ball back and forth between each other. Um, You know, A, it works on the hand-eye coordination, but B, if we get two students rolling the ball back and forth, then that's some social interaction, and and so that helps, um, which versus other forms of therapy, see now you're having student-to-student as opposed to to therapist-to-student, so there's where it's a little bit better. It's probably
0: a lot harder to justify to a parent, "Um, hey, by the way, we're going to have another kid and another parent in the same session because it's like, wait a second, well i'm here paying you for you know my right. case. so it, it's it's a easier way to sort of get that that aspect into it so that's well, interesting and insurance might not cover it and that too <laughs> and that too
1: so we do we do things like that or um exercises where they'll take the ball and kind of um pass it around themselves around their body um or um we'll have them um, maybe put the ball now this some of the tennis players do, you know, take a racket and then balance the ball on the racket in the middle so that they can kind of feel um the minor adjustments that you have to make uh with your grip, things of that nature. So once we get done with that, then we move on to um basic ball skills. So we'll do things like we, we call it walk the dog. Um so you take a ball and you put it on the ground and you'll literally move the ball with the oh, racket. Yeah we okay. do
0: i do that with kids all the time that's a walk the dog and and guess what then you get to kind of lean over in the shade a little bit and let them run around for a <laughs> while <so. laughs> i didn't say that nobody's coming to take lessons <laughs> for me anymore college kid we do that with the college kids yeah. too. go walk the dog i'm busy
1: you know so, or we'll do the do um where you bounce the ball with the racket
0: dribbling and bounce ups Which, and you sure. know
1: that's one of the first things i do when i get on I the court gonna, yeah yeah you know make sure i'm got the feel
0: sure Um, so now so the the founder of the national program his name was Richard Sperling and so you said he's a tennis player
1: yeah he was a professional tennis player
0: and so he he was uh coming from a perspective of tennis first I would imagine so his his expertise came came first does he have a connection to autism
1: so his wife um Dr. Just she actually is a professor who does a lot of clinical research on autism and I think just in talking you know back and forth as a married couple it kind of
0: married couples are supposed to do that (laughs) (laughs) that's the issue I think I love you honey I'm just kidding out there (laughs) she doesn't listen at all to this podcast or to me
1: so I think you know they kind of put two and two together you know he would hear from her about the different challenges that kids on the spectrum face in terms of motor and small motor and things of that nature and socialization. And I think he kind of said, you know, here's this opportunity to take this sport and apply it to, you know, providing for the kids what they need, right. but doing it again, you know, outside the realm of your traditional sort of therapeutic environment. Right. right. And so it's been very successful. They started um, in 2008 and um, their first program was 15 kids out of Wayland, Massachusetts, and now they're up to 45 locations across the U.S. I think there's three internationally. Wow. And we operate in 21 out of 50 states. And each year they're launching about 13 to 15 programs. So and we're the biggest and the best in Dallas. And we're the <laughs> biggest and the best. Doggone right.
0: <laughs> now, that, that's really interesting because um, it, it it came from sort of two different sides who were both sort of experts in their field. And then they intertwined them, so yep. it really is a program that's almost desi- it's like tennis is designed to help kids with autism. Like it's got a lot of built-in characteristics that can uh, that can take the place of some of the therapies. So That's really interesting. So,
1: well, it, and a lot of the kids we have, their their siblings play or their parents play, right? And they watch it, right? And they're like, "Ooh, I want to do this," but a typical tennis program is not going to fly for them. Sure. I mean, I can tell you that's part of how we got into this is. My son that's autistic, we had him taking tennis lessons. The problem was he had to be in with the younger kids. Right. So he was the oldest. And then, you know, he kind of felt out of place. And then, you know, they don't have one or two additional people to help each individual student. It's, you know, one tennis instructor across the net from, you know, 15 kids. And so it was a abysmal failure for sure. him. And sure.
0: So let me ask you this. So um, treatment, therapy, obviously insurance is involved, but uh, I would imagine it can get pretty extensive and pretty pricey depending on where the child is in the spectrum. So how much does your program cost? That's a that's a soft, that's what we call a softball in the business, Corey.
1: <laughs> well, um, actually we've been pretty fortunate. So this season... Um, thanks to the generosity of the Metroplex Tennis League, which um, is known as Metro in town, um, they made a donation to our program, and all 20 kids who um, were the first to sign up were provided the program tuition-free.
0: Look at that softball. She knocked that out (laughs) of the park. So um, free lessons, but essentially free therapy, and then ultimately, a lot of these kids will continue playing with their siblings or parents. Yep. Like in your case, obviously, you and your husband play, and uh, your oldest son plays. So um, he's got built-in tennis partners. And now you guys just added a tennis partner <laughs> to the crew, so now you can play doubles. Little little uh, parent-kid doubles. Yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> that can't lead to trouble over the dinner table, I'm sure. <laughs> So, so how long does a program last and does a, does a, does a child finish the program and then can they go back through it? Is it sort of a one-time deal?
1: So this first session that we did was six weeks, um, just cause we wanted to get a, um, quick win. Um, but the plan is to have eight week sessions and a child can repeat the program. The nice part about it is even though the, the core curriculum is the same and that we, you know, hand-eye coordination, and then we move on to volleys and then um, uh, ground strokes and and things of that nature, they can progress at their own pace. Um, We do have some kids who I'd say give them another session and they'll probably be ready to start actually playing real games. And so UTD has been very, very generous and we've got five courts. And so that gives us the space we need that if we have a couple kids who we can start actually doing true rallies with um, we can go ahead and separate them off from some of the other kids um, on a different court and let them you know go ahead and do that with the with the volunteers
0: now is there is there research into how that sort of next level to where they're a little more independent and you know everything's a little more freer they're actually playing and, and maybe not competing yet but uh, certainly hitting back and forth cooperatively, uh, you know, is there research out there that that talks about the benefits of, of that sort of next level?
1: Well, I can tell you, um, I don't know about research because that's not um, the direction that I come at it from, but I can sure. tell you as a parent, um, my son that's on the spectrum now, granted it's not tennis, I apologize, but I can tell you that um, he does competitive swimming. Okay, that's and the good
0: S-word. It's not the other S-word <laughs> we don't like on this podcast. So swimming's all right.
1: He he does competitive swimming, and I can tell you that it has made a huge change, not just in his life, but in, in him as who he is as a person. It has actually made him more focused um, in the classroom and it's in his life. almost as good as
0: tennis. Almost. You <laughs>
1: um, You know, you're, these kids, their body craves this stuff. You know, they can tell when... They need to just be jumping up and down. And in doing that, it actually helps regulate their system. And so, yeah, when you when you get to the point where um, th- there's a little girl, Zoe, who was one of the first um, kids in the program, and she's gotten to the point apparently where she's playing tennis for real and it's made a similar change in her life as swimming as in my son's life where you know it affects the way the brain works, it affects the way that the body works, um, it helps them regulate themselves – your body, you know, craves it. It's it's no different than an adult who, you know, starts exercising, you feel better.
0: Really? You know. <laughs> <laughs> I haven't I haven't reached that point yet of feeling so better from exercise. The upside about tennis though, particularly in in Texas is that we can do it a lot e- more easily than we can swimming. There's a lot more facilities, yes. you know, the weather, the space, all and the cost is is a lot lot more uh Uh, available to people so
1: well we've got courts everywhere in Dallas right right.
0: now do you ever have kids that uh obviously this is your first six-week session so maybe if you have heard from other programs as kids go through we see the results the improvement and all those things are they able to come back and help as counselors or whatever you call them court teachers on court and that kind of thing get involved
1: absolutely absolutely I mean you've got um you know, kids, the spectrum for autism is, is very broad. And so I wouldn't be surprised if, you know, in a couple of years we see some of the kids that actually were involved in the program, if they come back right. and wind up volunteering. Um, I know that there is um, a volunteer or two who are um, what used to be called Asperger's right. that are high functioning, um, that are volunteering now as we speak they weren't in the program because it didn't exist um but they're they're volunteering because it's something that they you know believe very strongly in and and want to be able to give back
0: so uh i think last week i think our number was over a thousand listeners or downloaders we don't care if they listen just so they download (laughs) just click on it but for this episode, we care that they listen because right. they need the information. So they need to download and listen, delete the rest of everything. It's fine. <laughs> we don't need to talk about Nadal's shorts or whatever. <laughs> um, so give me a website or an email or a telephone number or an address. No, they don't, we don't want them coming to your house. Um, so how can they find out about acing autism in general and then maybe acing autism Dallas?
1: So the website is acing Autism. it's a c e i n g autism all one word dot org no
0: faith in america's ability to spell acing <laughs> but well you're correct um, i would have not put the e in there probably
1: uh, exactly um org. if um somebody wants to sign their child up for the program you just go to register and then you get to select your location and obviously Dallas is the location for this we're at UTD um, and then if somebody wants to volunteer to help out, which we would love um, they go to the same website asianautism.org but then they go to the link for volunteer and if you scroll kind of part way down on that page there's a link that says register to volunteer.
0: A little bit of background check type thing right They've yep. got to go through of course you're working with children, you maniac so gotta <laughs> gotta got got get make sure we're everything's squared away. Um, well uh, also is there anywhere on that page to donate?
1: Yes, yes, on the homepage Don't there is. Don't forget that one.
0: We want volunteers and we want people to sign up, but uh, making it a free program for these kids is uh, is a whole other level. So
1: And the parents really appreciate it. I'm cause sure they do. There's a lot of money going into therapy and private school. And I mean,
0: somebody would think that somebody who plays four times a week and wants to play more would not have put in any effort, but I'm sure – from the moment your son was diagnosed at 14 months all the way till now that you've done uh, a lot of work. And so uh, I would imagine for the parents out there that uh, a, a little bit of relief and being able to go to this program free of charge would be a huge, huge benefit. So uh, put put down that uh, candy bar, or whatever you're about to buy, save a couple of pennies and uh, go to acingautism.org. You can donate, you can sign your kid up, uh, or you can volunteer and uh, this might have been the most important show we certainly have done, maybe the best one, and that's probably because you didn't talk that much. Exactly, <laughs> it's, everybody wants that, right? No, they do. He's he's the secret star of the show. <laughs> so, well, Adrian, we appreciate you coming in. Thank you. We don't have the kind of listeners that uh, the the Tennis Channel uh, gave you that exposure, but who knows? We're in Dallas. We do have a decent amount of following in Dallas, because that's kind of where I first started spreading the word for the show. Um, and so now we've got another group, the Acing Autism group, that'll probably be spreading the word about this podcast. I yeah. told, told Adrian she did a little bit of uh, a PR for us on accident, and I said, well, you might not want those good folks at Acing <laughs> Autism listening to the, the rest of the episodes, uh, but we'll just make sure they focus in on this one. So, uh, Well, we appreciate you coming by and uh, telling us all about Acing Autism. And one last time, it's uh, acingautism.org to find everything. And uh, I'm not really going to say anything about our show or our website because we want to leave it with that. So, all right. Thank you. All right. We'll see you all next week. Bye-bye.